Have you ever heard of what a mustard seed is, like this tiny little seed? Uh, maybe you've seen one encased in glass before. Maybe if the people around you are weird enough, you've actually received one as a gift at some point. Well, whether you're a Christian or not, you've probably heard the idea that mustard seeds are really powerful. When they're planted, they grow really strong, and they can break rocks, and they can take over gardens, and all that kind of stuff. And if you're a Christian, you've probably heard sermons preached on having faith like a mustard seed, planting small seeds of faith that grow into really big things. Well, in this sermon that's going to wrap up our generosity series, our senior pastor, McGray DeVega, is going to take that familiar parable of the mustard seed and kind of turn it on his head a little bit and really give an interesting and new way to look at that parable. Uh, in this message, you're going to be invited to write something in the chat section or in the comment section. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, go ahead and use that comment section to answer the prompt that McGray gives you during the sermon. If you're watching on podcast, maybe head over to our YouTube page and put it there or shoot us an email at info at hydeparkumc.org with what your response to that phrase might be. And at the end of the sermon, he's going to challenge you to submit an estimated giving card. Now, if you've just been watching us on YouTube or a friend shared this video with you, maybe you're not sure if that's the right thing for you. That's okay. No pressure. Listen to the sermon, though. Take it in. And I'll be back at the end to give you some next steps. Let's pray together. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, Amen. Ah, oh, the mustard seed. You know, whatever public relations firm that got hired by the mustard seed industry in first century Israel was pure genius. Because without the product endorsement of the Gospels, we'd never ever care about mustard seeds today. Apple and orange seeds, sure. Tomato and pepper seeds, we plant those. We grow roses and mums and, and orchids, which as it turns out, are actually the smallest seeds on earth. But if it weren't for the Gospels, we likely wouldn't think about mustard seeds. You ask the average person on the street if they've ever thought about mustard seeds, they'd probably say no. And if they're part of a church, they may say, yeah, I think Jesus said something about them. And they may even say, oh yeah, my pastor talks about mustard seeds whenever the church asks for money. Genius marketing from the mustard seed industry. I'll admit that I've preached on this parable so many times, I feel like there's nothing more to know. I'd always said that the parable is about small acts of faithfulness that God uses to multiply into something bigger beyond our ability to comprehend it. So I've said that whatever that act may be for you, whether it be a, a random act of kindness or some regular spiritual practice, or yes, even a number that you put on an estimate of giving card, it will turn into something bigger and more impactful than you can imagine. It's the gospel's version of the butterfly effect. But that's the problem with parables. They are intentionally elusive. Just when you think that you've wrung it dry of all of its meaning, that's when, in the words of preaching professor Tom Long, a trap door opens and you discover how a parable is designed to disrupt everything you thought you knew about it. Tricky, tricky. The gospels say that when that mustard seed sprouted and grew, it became a tree 
so big that birds could come and find shelter in its branches and build nests and create a home. Sounds beautiful, right? So we, we picture in our minds a tall, strong, impressive tree with branches spreading upward and outward, sturdy enough to house a condominium's worth of happy little singing bird families. It's a picture of serenity and grandeur and beauty. And that's when the trap door of this parable opens. Because as it turns out, that is not at all the kind of tree that first century Jews would have understood Jesus to mean. Because here's the deal. The moment the words mustard seed came out of the mouth of Jesus, he and his listeners knew in the ancient Near East, they knew exactly what he meant. Something that you and I don't automatically understand here today. Here it is, two words, invasive species. <laughs> Mustard seeds may start out small, but they grow fast and they grow wild. They are self-replicating. They, they grow, they reseed, they sprout more mustard plants, and they eventually take over more and more ground. And that's all well and good, as long as they're out in the wild. But notice, in both Matthew and Luke's version of the story, a mustard seed is planted in a garden, a well-manicured, controlled field where everything has its place. Everything is labeled and compartmentalized and separated. And then comes this mustard seed, disruptive by its very nature. And over time, it takes over. It encroaches on other species. It competes for their nutrients and gradually conquers the whole field. And yeah, there are birds, but these aren't fairy tale birds cuddling in their nests under the shade of a big tree. They are opportunists. They settle in the branches of the mustard seed so that they can be right close to pounce at the moment that new seeds from other plants hit the ground and they snatch them up before they have a chance to sprout and grow. <laughs> that is what Jesus meant. That's what he and his listeners would have understood the moment he said the words mustard seed. Not a majestic oak, not a tranquil bird condominium, but something subversive, imposing, intrusive, and even dangerous. So wait, that's supposed to be the kingdom of God? Yeah, it turns out that is exactly what Jesus meant. Because here's the other word that is important to understand in this parable, garden. Many scholars believe that the garden in this parable was a symbol that Jesus used to talk about stale, lifeless religion, a kind of vending machine theology, if you will, in which religious people simply did the right things in order to get the blessings that they wanted from God. The other plants in the garden were like the Pharisees, the religious officials, anybody who treats religion as a means for self-centeredness and exclusion of others. Because the garden is also a symbol for a world that is far too labeled, far too compartmentalized, designating who is in this camp, who is in that camp, who is in and who is 
out. But most importantly, Jesus used the symbol of the garden to talk about us, to talk about our lives, our souls, about the facades that we create to give the appearance to others of a well-manicured, perfectly put-together life. When deep down inside, you and I know that we all struggle with sin and unhealthy choices, with hopelessness and loneliness, with pride and unhealthy ambition, with resentment and a refusal to forgive. And if only, if only there was something that could wake us up from sleepy, stale religion, if there was only something that could tear down the dividing walls that exclude people and address the deep innermost struggles of the human experience. And that's why the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, invasive, subversive, and dangerous in the way we need it most. Jim Harnish, my predecessor and longtime senior pastor here, used to say this. On the Sunday that we hand our third graders their very first Bible, he would say, what we are doing here this morning is dangerous because we're putting in the hands of these children something that will disrupt their lives for the better. It will challenge the messages the culture will tell them about who they are and about who God wants them to become. And it will tell them about God's love, which will someday lead to choices and commitments that will cost them in the eyes of the culture. It is dangerous in the best possible way. What we do here in this church is a danger to the forces of this world and in our lives who would try to manufacture and manicure a world where religion is for selfish use, where people are divided and separated rather than welcomed and included, and where we live without hope or joy or a sense of being loved. And that kind of disruption and transformation happens when we each do our part to act with the faith of a mustard seed. So on this Commitment Sunday, we recognize that the act of turning in an estimate of giving card may seem like a small act. The number that you have prayerfully placed in that card may seem like just a simple number. But turning in our financial estimate for next year is no small or simple thing. It is a defiant act of hope a subversive act in a world that may seem hopeless, a declaration of love for all people who feel outside the reach of God's love. It is no overstatement to suggest that because of your commitment today, because of your commitment today, someone months from now will come to this church and feel a sense of love for them that they haven't felt for a long time. They will come here at Hyde Park or at the portico or online, and they will say to themselves, wow, I've been looking for this experience of God. I didn't know it was possible. Do you know how I know that that will happen to someone down the road? Because it's been happening around here for a very long time. Because of God's faithfulness and your generosity, it's been happening. No act is too small to change the course of someone's life. This morning, we'd like you to hear the story of a man named Joel. He moved to Tampa 
He was looking for purpose and meaning in his life, a sense that he belonged, and to be part of something bigger than himself. And it turns out he found it in the most simple and most impactful way. Just some words on a sign on our Portico campus. Let's hear his story. I moved to Tampa and I was volunteering somewhere else. And someone just suggested that they needed help volunteering down to Portico, so I thought I'd give it a try. I came down and the first thing I noticed was the you are loved sign as I entered the parking lot. That meant that for once, I could probably maybe be loved for who I was. When I came to Tampa, I had suffered many years of reactive addiction and I was trying to get my act cleaned up. And for once in my life, I can be at my spiritual center to my church of my liking and be who I am and living my life authentically through my God. We all want the same thing, the goal in life. This is the path that best suits me. We respect each other's space and where anyone's at. And we just, down to Porico, we meet you where you're at. The kingdom of God is like a church with a simple message of God's love for all people. We walk alongside people experiencing grief and loss to give them the hope of the resurrection. We connect with people who feel abandoned by their life situation or feel hurt by other Christians in the past. And we treat each other with dignity and a common humanity. We tackle the injustices of our community with a declaration of shalom and acts of mercy and justice. And we surrender our lives over to God who receives us with love and disrupts our sinful ways to make us more and more like Jesus. This, this is disruptive stuff, dangerous stuff in the best possible way. So imagine with me again, someone comes to us months from now and they're one of those people, grieving, hopeless, hurt, broken. Let me ask you a question. What do you hope and pray that they experience here? Let me ask it another way. How would you complete this sentence? When a person comes to Hyde Park, I pray they experience blank. Months from now, or even next week, what is it that you hope and pray an individual or a family experiences in their lives, perhaps for the first time in their lives, because of what God is doing in and through the people of Hyde Park? Would you... Would you type a word or phrase in the chat section that completes that sentence as a kind of prayer for God's future here? And as you do, we invite you to open another tab on your web browser to turn in an estimate of giving for next year, if you haven't already, at hydeparkumc.org forward slash EOG. Because here's the deal. The number on your card will contribute to the words you type in the chat section. God will receive our individual commitments as the planting of a mustard seed so that God can transform the lives of all people without exclusion. 
kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It, it may seem small, but it will grow and take over and change things for the better. May it be so as we offer ourselves to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who offered his life as a mustard seed, buried into the ground, sprouting again to new life, and who has been disrupting the world for the better ever since. Receive our commitments today, both in our estimates of giving and in the work of our hands to make your love real for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for watching this message. I hope you found it helpful and impactful for you. And if something in it encouraged you to maybe want to partner with us through generosity, I hope you go to hydeparkumc.org forward slash EOG, where you can submit your own estimate of giving. You don't have to be a member of the church. You don't even have to be in the Tampa Bay area to do this. This is just your way of saying, hey, I believe in their mission of making God's love real, and I want to support that financially. You can do that by going to hydeparkumc.org forward slash EOG and submit uh, and estimate of giving and give to us on a yearly basis. We appreciate that any amount makes a difference. Thank you so much for your generosity. If you wanna take some next steps in our community, you can also go to our next steps page. There are reflection questions down in the notes below. You can find all that again down in the notes below. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Matt Hotho and I'll see you next time.